This is the UC Santa Cruz Weekly News Roundup podcast for the weeks of February 19 through March 2, 2018. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor in the Communications and Marketing Office at UC Santa Cruz. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for the Marketing Communications Department at UC Santa Cruz. Ah, and we're going to dive into the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. But first, a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor is literally and figuratively... What? I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen out there, but I find that a lot of times people mix up literally, which means the truth as it is, the specific literal truth, as it Uh were, and figuratively, which means metaphorically speaking. I was reading a movie review by someone who saw a a movie at the Nickelodeon, and she said, this movie was so powerful. When this movie was over, I felt like I had literally been hit in the stomach by a cannonball. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, have you ever seen the movie Cold Mountain? Wow, she really liked that movie. Did you ever see the Civil War movie? Yes, and I read the book, and it was really good. I believe there's a scene where someone is literally... Hit in the stomach by oh. a cannonball, no? <laughs> okay. It, it ended badly. Well, people, let's get it right, literally, figuratively, and that was literally our biggest sponsor of all time. I, I know, so I feel yeah, so. I feel like our longest sponsor. <laughs> I, I really shouldn't offend them. All right, well, let's get going. Um, okay, just a few days ago on February 28th, we held our third annual Giving Day. You're totally aware what that is, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I was there. I so, took part. I encourage people give more money. <laughs> Empty let's your talk wallets. About, let's talk about what it is. Yes. Twenty four hours, and um, to projects can sign up to um, to fundraise, and then they recruit their friends, um, people interested, donors, in order to raise money for their specific projects. Sports teams, there were scholarships, there were these groups sponsored by faculty, there were staff groups, there were ecology people, there were people involved in marine biology, people involved in pre-med, people involved in Doctors Without Borders types Mm -hmm. of organizations, just about every single discipline that you can think of. Also, people interested in electrical engineering, people trying to get girls interested in STEM careers to decrease this enormous gender gap in STEM. And it was really inspiring to see the yeah. diversity of interests out there. Very cool projects cool. and a cool, cool concept. Last year when we did this, we thought the bar was set high when we raised $520,000. Pretty amazing to do that in a single day, you know, when you think about it. This year, we raised more than $618,000. I can't get over that number because some people literally are just digging up change from their car. Literally, so how do they you, are. Literally. So how do you add that up to $618,000? It blows my mind. I know. Literally. So it's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> not not here in my, in, in my office, please. All right. That's just incredible. I mean, people kick in small amounts, like you said. They, they get out pocket change or whatever, or large donations, you know, depending um, to the projects they like, and it all comes together for a big win for the whole campus. There were some familiar names this year, like Formula Slug, which is a student-run engineering group that's making electric race cars, and they won pretty big again. They were the Slug Surprise Challenge winners, adding $5,000 to their project, which raised altogether more than $17,000. 
It's great. And they, yeah, and they, they did well last year, too. The Gale Project, which is a public history project looking at the founding years of the American military occupation of Okinawa after World War II, came out on top in terms of overall donors, 367 of them raising more than $21,000. Amazing. And all these gifts have tremendous impact, too. Yeah. And they're going to use the donations to fund new internships and help pay for another research trip to Okinawa this summer. The top overall money raiser was the Center for Public Philosophy, which gathered more than $36,000 from 328 donors. And that center has interesting projects like Philosophy for Children and a program that teaches the art of dialogue to inmates at San Quentin Prison. All good stuff. Check it all out at givingday.ucsd.edu and join us next year. All right, um, let's move on from campus and just take a short jump over to the ocean. You know, our researchers and others around the world have been up to stuff. They've been spying on creatures. Yeah, I know. <laughs> cut to the chase, yeah. <laughs> For a long while, they've been tracking sea animals in the wild to see where they go and learn about their behavior. But before they figured out how to make these tracking devices, it was hard to know what all marine mammals got up to out there. Now they're getting insights from the technology, and just like a marine private eye, they're seeing unexpected behaviors and patterns in marine animals, ranging from sharks and seals to turtles and albatrosses. Researchers around the world have now pooled their data on the movements of a wide array of marine animals, which lets them look for common features in how animals move throughout the world's oceans. The results show a lot of similarities in the movement patterns of different species, even those widely separated by geography, evolutionary history, or the way they travel. Interesting, huh? It's incredible how they can find out this information and draw these kinds of inferences across these different species. Yeah. According to the co-author of the study, Daniel Costa, who's a distinguished professor of ecology and evolutionary biology here, the insights they're getting is, are going to be useful for understanding how marine life will respond to climate change and for predicting the movements of species they don't have data on because they can extrapolate from other species to understand how they're likely to interact with fisheries, shipping, or, or other human activities. So the more you know. You Amazing. Know? Yeah. yeah. The, more, the more you know, the more we can come up with some solutions, I hope. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of new knowledge, we have a group here called the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at UCSC, which is a friends group that's an educational program for folks over 50. The UC Santa Cruz group is about 700 members and has about 50 peer-led interest groups that focus on literature, history, science, film, current events, hiking, and nature. Cool stuff. I think that's great. I think that that people have different reasons for learning once you hit a certain age. I feel like um, when we were kind of uh, choking down all these classic books when we were in college, <laughs> I, I kind of sometimes think that the brain kind of ages into certain things. Yeah, yeah. You're Don't actually you you're totally right. Totally agree. But So now, the story. Yes. A group of women in their 60s and 70s from the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at UCSC are learning a new skill. Basketball. And I love this because I played basketball growing up. They're called the Ollie Hoops. Ollie for Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. And they've taken to the court to get exercise, enjoy camaraderie, and for many, learn something new. It's a cool acronym, too, because it sounds vaguely like Ollie Hoops. <laughs> exactly. I think yeah. that's the point. 
See, they were growing up before Title IX, so a lot of them weren't encouraged to play sports when they were young. Girls weren't supposed to perspire, you know? They decided now was the time. The group began last October when Mary Caravalho, who's 68 and a retired educator whose two sons played basketball, saw a YouTube video about a group of 80 and 90-year-old women in San Diego's Senior Women's Basketball League. Now amazing. I got to go check them out. <laughs> amazing. That's, that's amazing because this is quite a thing. I, I mean, it's not just this explosion of energy you need, but also focus and concentration, hand-eye coordination. It's everything. Exactly. So more power to them. I think that's I, wonderful. I know. I completely agree. The Ollie Hoops have jerseys and practices, and they've bonded. This is the cool part. They've bonded with the UC Santa Cruz women's basketball team. The Ollie Hoops team got to join a practice with the Slug squad, and they've become regular attendees at the Slug's home games. The women's basketball coach, Todd Kent, says his players love looking up in the stands and seeing the older players and says he has plans to work with the squad in the future because he sees potential for not only having the Ollie members mentor his players, but for his players mentoring the Ollie group in basketball. And that right there is a slam dunk, don't you think? What a wonderful story. That is so inspiring. Yeah. I love the fact that the generations are inspiring one another. Exactly. Working together. That's great. Yeah. I bet that each peer group could teach each other some tricks too, some some techniques they didn't realize. That's, that's great. Yeah, not yeah. even in basketball, but life. Life so. itself. Because mm-hmm. the, so, the, the, the court is always a good place to sort of talk things over. And that is true. All right, so what's what's going on in your world? Well, I have some exciting news to share about a really talented alumna from UC Santa Cruz. Went out and made good and is back on campus sharing some of her magic oh, with us. Nice. We love when people come home. I know. When they, they kind of, they remember us and they think, I had a good experience there. Let's go back and, and yeah. contribute. Adila Barnes, she's a Cowell graduate from 1972. She went out in the world and did very well after graduating. Yeah. She became a star, successful actress in stage and film and TV. And some of you may have seen her on Roseanne. It's a, it was a long-running sitcom, sitcom starring Roseanne Barr and John Goodman, and it's back. They have Roseanne oh, 2.0. Yeah, yeah. they do another. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and she's got an amazing, really great voice. And, you know, it's funny. I, I stumbled upon some Adila Barnes uh, acting footage. There's the sort of greatest hits of her acting alongside Julia Roberts and all these people, and it's on YouTube. And I thought, wow, she just has serious skills. And yeah. anyhow... Adila Barnes is performing live on campus as part of the cast of the groundbreaking play, A Raisin in the Sun, which runs through March 11th at the Theater Arts Second Stage. Keep in mind, dear listener, a limited number of performances, and those who've seen it say it is a powerful event. It's really intimate because, as you may know, Gwen, you know yeah. the second stage, it's a pretty teeny little theater. Oh, yeah. Better get on it. Get, get some tickets. Get on it. I thought you were going to say, how small was it? How small is it? It's so small. <laughs> but one time I went to the Second Stage Theater and I had an extra large popcorn and the usher said, I'm going to stop you right there. And I said, why? And he said, there's no room for that popcorn. Oh, my God. Rick. Literally. Literally. Wow. No, that, that never happened. Anyhow, okay. I know someone who's there on opening night. She tells me it was just powerful and immediate and it was just so great to see a really diverse audience there really getting into it a lot of proud banana slugs were in the audience and 
what I want to point out is that Adela Barnes is lending her star power yeah. to a production that has a lot of students, a lot of people in there. It's being put on by the Theater Arts Department and the African American Theater Arts Troupe. It's a student-based organization that was formed to create higher visibility, understanding of African American culture. The thing is, you have this person who has decades and decades of wonderful, uh, high-profile experience, and this troupe welcomes students from different educational backgrounds and also cast students with little or no experience with acting or technical administrative work. So I think it's just so great and generous and powerful of her to, to come back and be part of this, and people are really loving it. By the way, that play takes its title from a 1951 Langston Hughes poem, Harlem, which asks... What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Mm. Anyway, get your tickets on sale now at ucsctickets.com. Yeah, and what a great opportunity, not only for the students who are getting to interact with a real high-powered, high-chops actor, but an opportunity for our community to go and experience that. It's a wonderful homecoming and a connection for everyone. And the other cool piece that I haven't mentioned is that she's worked with a director, Don Williams, many times in the past. And at one point earlier in career, her career, get this, she portrayed the daughter of the character she's playing in this production. <laughs> she says she welcomes the chance to have grown into playing the wise and powerful role of mama this time around. <laughs> so it's everything is really full circle. Yeah. And since we're on the subject of arts and creativity, I'd like to artfully switch the subject to a oh, well big done. awards. Thank you so much. The award ceremony that's coming up. I'm talking about the Game Developers Choice Awards, which mm -hmm. takes place on March 21st. If you're into this kind of thing, it's kind of an unmissable experience during the 2018 Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. The host of the festivities is none other than UC Santa Cruz Associate Arts Professor Robin Hunnicke. And uh, she's cool. not just the host, in a sense, she's also contributing a contestant because she's co-founder and CEO, hope I spelled it, I pronounced this correctly, of the indie game design company called Phenomena, F-U-N-O-M-E-N-A. <laughs> And uh, so last fall, the company released Heineke's acclaimed PC and VR game Luna, which has been nominated for a 2018 Indie Independent Games Festival Award for Excellence in Visual Arts. So good for her. And you know, Gwen, do you remember how video games used to be when you were Oh my a God, kid? yeah. I mean, we had, oh uh, we had Pong and we had an Atari. <laughs> Thank you. I had Atari and they were pixelated. Yeah. And the thing that cracked me up well, now, looking back, back then, I thought, wow, this is the ultimate. Nothing will progress from beyond here. The characters were so pixelated that I yeah. didn't know what they're supposed to be. Those days are so oh, yeah. gone now. Yeah, as, uh, as Professor Hunnicke said, making games takes so much time, well, now it does, and effort and pushing into new design territories like virtual reality increasing the challenge. I mean, that would just have blown my mind if I'd played yeah. with this stuff. She, by the way, is Director of Art and Design for the Games and Playable Media BA program at UC Santa Cruz, as well as the Acting Director of the campus's Digital Arts and New Media MFA program. So good for her. Should wow. be a great event. That's and cool. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting event. And how's this for probably my most just muscular transition ever? Let me try this. Uh -oh. Okay. Generally speaking, games are fun, right? Yeah. Do you agree, Gwen? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk, what, what is the opposite of fun? The, 
My next topic is about the opposite of fun. What strikes you as just some things that are the opposite of fun? Um, being bored. Yes, that's true. And being in pain. Yes. Oh my gosh. So you, you, you see where I'm going with this. Okay, yeah. I'd, I'd say being under sort of sterile lights and maybe hearing Muzak. Oh, are you talking about being in the hospital? How did you know? I don't know. No one would claim that going to the hospital is an enjoyable experience, certainly not like having a video game. However, a new study reveals that there is an additional bummer about being hospitalized, and that is financial pain, the ouch factor that gets you in the pocketbook. Now, this new study shows that serious medical problems reduce how much you earn, they can harm employment status, and naturally increase your debt. This study, by the way, they examined records for roughly 780,000 people with health insurance and about 150,000 people without health insurance. In other words, this is pretty comprehensive, so, right? And you're talking about not just the financial pain of paying for procedures, but more than that, right? Exactly, okay. the aftermath of the stay and what that does to you. And the study, by the way, is co-authored by professors from MIT, uh, UC Santa Cruz and Northwestern University, and it goes into detail about these painful impacts. The study found that hospitalization and the health problems that cause it lead to a 20% drop in earnings and an 11% wow. drop in employment for adults between ages of 50 and 59. See, that's not even that old, among various other uh, negative effects. And as, you, as I said, the job troubles are merely one of the financial costs that follow hospital stays. As the study shows, adults who have health problems leading to hospitalization have worse subsequent access to credit, as well as larger, uh, larger unpaid medical bills and more out-of-pocket medical spending. So it's, uh, and a significant part of this pocketbook crunch is generated by the medical expenses. Wow. So basically, stay out of the hospital. Is that, that's, yeah, stay, line. stay healthy as you can. Because there's more impacts than just paying for what you got done. Ugh. I know. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But well, on that note, on that, on that <laughs> cheerful <laughs> note, please do stay healthy and, and join a basketball game. Yeah. Regardless of your age. Get out there and shoot around and have a great weekend, have everyone. Have a great weekend. Uh, hit those trails, stay healthy, and we will see you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye.